Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. You may be thankful for being in the house of God. It's good to be here. Uh, so thankful for the privilege to do so. Our, our vision here at the church, again, is to connect people with Jesus from all roads of life. So our, our desire is just for you to get connected to him, uh, to get connected to us or to think that we're the best. We all are here for him and uh, seeing what he can do for our lives. And I, I want to address quickly uh, just maybe some questions about, you know, are we having services? Why are we having services? And because uh, I, I realize as a leader, uh, as more so than any time in my life, the responsibility of making decisions and the ramifications of those decisions. I'm getting asked on the regular on uh, how we're making decisions, why are we making the decisions we're making them. And I'm, I'm saying that we make decisions based on two things, how we make decisions on what we're doing. And number one is through prayer. And I don't mean like Christianese pray. I mean like really praying and asking God what he says, seeking his face, getting his direction. We do that. Number two, just based on the data that we have available. We're not blindly just uh, having things and ignoring what's going on around us. We're not trying to stick our heads in the sand. We're fully aware of what's happening. I'm probably, I'll make a comparative statement. I am very versed on what's going on in the world. I research constantly and aware of what's happening probably more than I should know. But I know a lot about what's taking place. And I don't say that lightly. I'm saying that because I want to be informed when we make decisions. So when we're doing that, I want you to know that, again, we're not pretending anything's happening. We know people are getting sick. We don't think it's a hoax. We don't think the virus is make-believe. We're not holier than thou. We're not, if you're not here, if you're watching online, we're not condemning. We're not criticizing anybody else who's not opening their church. None of that. We're just saying we're making decisions based on what we feel like the Holy Spirit's telling us. And that doesn't mean that we're better. If you're closing down, you're not in faith. Or if you're staying home, you're not in faith. That's not what we're saying. If you're asking me why we're open, we're open because I feel like it's what the Holy Spirit's telling me to do. And I'm, that's not enough for some people. Some people think that's stupidity and ridiculous. I get it. I'm not saying that uh, I can't be wrong. I'm human. But I'm just telling you, I'm, why am I making decisions? I'm making decisions based on that and just based on the information that, that I have available through looking at research, again, through the CDC, seeing the information that's taking place. Cases are going, all we're hearing about cases going up, and they're, they're happening. I've got family members that have struggled, that have difficulty with the virus. But as the cases are going up, one good thing, I don't know if you're getting this information, mortality rates continue to go down. The more cases going up, the fewer people are dying. And so again, one is too many. I get that. But we got to put in perspective what's happening in the world. No one's clamoring and campaigning for the making tobacco illegal. But yet it kills 480,000 people a year. So uh, let's balance it out. Let's don't pretend that it's not happening. I'm just giving maybe too much information. I've got statistics I could give you, but um, you know, maybe we can talk about those later. Um, yeah, I don't want to get into that. I gave, I gave some numbers in the first service, but just, again, why we're making the decisions is based on what I see is happening, that not only the majority of society is not dying of COVID, but population-based and or cases, someone who gets a case, positive case, and the survival rate for, uh, for the United States right now is that 98% of the people who test positive are recovering. Population-wise, 
the people that are not dying of COVID is 99, oh, I've got to get it because I don't want to give the wrong number. It is 99.92%. Uh, 99.92% of the population is not dying of COVID. Is it real? Yes. Should you be careful if you've got uh, underlying conditions, if you've got health issues? Yes, take care of yourself, be careful. Okay? So uh, why are we having church? That's uh, one reason why I'm having I could give you a lot more, but that's just what I'm going to stick with for right now. So let's get back into the message today. I, I want us to prepare our hearts to receive from the Word of God. We've got to pray, and uh, I want us to hear from God. I want you to hear from God. You don't need to hear from Chad. Nobody came here for Chad. We all came here for Jesus. So Lord, I look to you, and I give you all the praise. I give you all the glory. I look to you, and I say, God, we're here for you. Our world needs you. Our country needs you. This church needs you. My family needs you. Lord, you are the one. You're the hope for the world. So Holy Spirit, I ask you to come. I just ask you to speak to our hearts, bring life. Lord, I pray that I will share only the things that you put on my heart. I pray, God, that we will find you in a way that connects us to the truth. Thank you, Lord. We just bind every lie of the devil. And Lord, we pray that your word will be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path today. Thank you for loving us like no other. Your love is wild for us, God. It is crazy wild, and we're grateful for it. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. amen. All right, we're on this series called Let No One Deceive You. And uh, the only way we can prevent from being deceived is by knowing the truth. And here at the Road Church, we consider the Bible, the Word of God, as the only source of pure truth in the world. So we get a little excited when we open up the Bible because we get to hear the truth without any bias. So if you've got your Bibles this morning, come on, Mount Carmel, E-Roads family, North City, let's open them up to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Woo! 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Are you ready? I'm ready. Today we're going to, you got your sermon notes there in your worship guide or the YouVersion Bible app, you can pull them up. But today we're going to build our talk around one question. One question. Here's the question. Who's your team? Or what team are you on? Or who's your squad? Who's your crew? Who's your posse? Who's your peeps? Who's you running with? All of that's really one question just phrased in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Whose team are you on? 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 1 says, Now brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. I'm speaking today from the perspective that Jesus is coming back. And I want us to get it. Sometimes we get caught up in our worldview of what's happening right here and we forget there is a heaven, there's a God, there is Jesus who's coming back to this earth and the reality of heaven is going to be the reality of the earth. But right now we don't see him so it's easy for us to get blinded and numb to the fact that there's a God, there's a reality, that we were created by a creator. We didn't just show up, there wasn't a big explosion, I had two eyes. There wasn't just some amoeba that crawled up and now I grew into who I am. I mean, that's kind of hard for me. It takes more faith to not believe in creation than it does to cre believe in creation. I mean, that takes a lot of faith. Bam! Somehow I got ears that can hear and eyes that connect to my brain. I ain't got that kind of faith. I believe that God created me. Where there's a design, there's a designer. So I'm just simple like that. So we're, we're putting that perspective on it. Okay, that Jesus is coming back. Anybody excited that Jesus is going to come back? Yes. This is why we're Christians. If Jesus isn't coming back, burn the Bibles and let's go get drunk. 
That's too, that's too real for some people. I'm sorry. I'm too real. I'm just saying, if this book isn't true, then what are we doing in church? Why are we, we could have slept in. <laughs> people like, this is a preacher. <laughs> Bear with me. Bear with me. I need prayer. Uh, Gathering together to him. We ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled. Not to be, this is a directive from heaven that we need right now in the world. Do not be shaken in mind or troubled. How many of us are living a little bit of a crazy time? There's a little bit of hiccups in the world right now. But he said, don't be shaken in mind about it. Don't be troubled about it. Easy for you to say, Paul. You weren't living in 2020. Either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ or the return of Christ had come, let no one deceive you by any means. So don't let anybody deceive you. For that day, the return of Christ will not come unless two things happen, the Bible says. Jesus will not return unless, number one, the falling away comes first. What's the falling away? I put it there in your notes. The falling away is the Greek word apostasia, which means a defection from the truth, an abandonment or rebellion of the truth. So the first thing before Jesus comes back, there has to be a departure, a defection of the truth. There has to be a rebellion against the truth, against the truth of God's word, a rebellion, a defiance against authority to act in complete opposition to the word of God. Is there a falling away from the truth right now? Is there a departure from the truth? I believe it's happening. I'm not saying it's in totality, but there is definitely a rejection of the truth of God's word and an acceptance of relativism, an acceptance of societal and cultural truths. Where we don't like what the Bible says about something, we accept what culture says about something. Where we don't know how harsh and how hard lines sometimes the Bible can draw, then we begin to draw our own lines based on cultural values and societal values. So there's a departure from the truth, and now we have relative truth. We have, well, that may be true for you, but it's not true for me. So we are trying to move away from absolute truth, and we move into a collective feel-good truth. As long as we feel good about it, and you like the truth, and I like the truth, and I, I know it's just whatever. But that's what the departure of the truth means, okay? But that's got to happen first. There will be a departure of the truth. In order for us to be deceived, there have to be two things. Number one, there has to be presence of a lie. And number two, there has to be a lack of knowledge of or lack of belief in the truth. For us to be deceived, you have to understand this, there has to be the presence of a lie. So there are going to be lies. Don't be deceived. Lies will be told. Now, the only way we can be deceived, it's not stop the lies and we won't be deceived. No, no, we can't. It's not stopping the lies. It's what we choose to believe. So we've got to have a knowledge of the truth and you've got to believe the truth. And this is why I'm speaking on some of the things that I'm speaking on because you will not hear some of these things on the news. I started to say nightly news and that was going to date me a little bit, but anyway. <laughs> now when it says the falling away comes first, some people have translated that word falling away as uh, a departure like a physical departure, and they're talking about, they make it towards uh, talking about the rapture. But the word falling away is an ideological term. It's not a physical term. So it's not a departure. So it's saying a falling away must come first, and then the man of sin is revealed. So they'll say, okay, the church has to depart out. Falling away is not the departure of the church. Falling away is a departure from an ideology, a truth. 
Big difference, okay? So now, falling away comes first. So then after that, after that gets started, then now the man of sin is revealed. How come, notice how they're connected. The man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. It's connected to the falling away from the truth. When we get away from the truth, now we're open for the lies of the devil. And this is what's going to happen. The more we depart from the truth, now it's going to open the door for the man of sin. The man of sin just means a person who acts contrary to the will or law of God, talking about the Antichrist. The man of sin is revealed. That means takes the cover off. He's been there. He's been in operation, but he's going to be revealed. That's going to be important. Going to be revealed. The son of perdition. Now, when it says son of perdition, the word perdition just means uh, destruction or ruin. But when he talks about the son of perdition, I believe it speaks to the level of deception in the end times of the Antichrist. The problem is most people believe that the, we're just going to be obvious. What's the devil will just be obvious and everybody will know. That's the point in deception is it will be hard to tell. When he calls him the son of perdition, this is the same name that Jesus gave Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. He called him son of perdition. Son of destruction. And even this, it goes on in John chapter 6. Jesus was talking and he answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? This is Jesus talking about Judas. One of you is a devil. He didn't say one of you is acting like a devil. He said one of you is a devil. What does that mean? To me, that speaks again to the level of deception that Judas walked around every day as one of the disciples. He looked like them, talked like them, was right amongst them. The disciples themselves didn't even know he was the devil. How do you know that? The night he's going to betray Jesus, Jesus said, hey, go do what you got to do, Judas. And after he left, they're like, well, was he going to give to the money to the poor or something? They had no clue. They had no clue. So what am I telling you? The, the news is not going to come on and say, hey, we found the Antichrist. It's going to be deception. We're not going to know. The son of perdition, it's going to be, he's going to be sneaky dicky. This is why we have to get our truth from here and stop getting our truth from Snapchat memes. Stop getting our truths from Instagram and Facebook. Stop getting our, tr our truths from the news because the news will not know what we need to know. By the time the news knows, it's going to be too late. Oh, I got a lot more I can say right there, but let me move on. So let's look at uh, the next verse. Son of perdition, who, look what he does. Here's what the son of perdition is going to do, the Antichrist, who opposes, how will we, how will we identify him? How will we identify the spirit of or the actual person himself who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God? So there's two things he does. I'm going to put them together. Number one, he opposes all that is called God. Opposes all that is called God. That word opposes is a, is a word that means opposite to, hostile towards, adverse, or against. How, do we, how are we going to spot who's right or wrong? How do we know who to believe, Chad? How do we know who to support? How do we know where to stand? How do we know whether it's going to be Antichrist or not? How do I know? Here's what the Bible tells us. Whoever is opposing, opposite to, hostile towards, or against Christianity or Christian principles, mark them. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. It's very plain. Whoever opposes the things of God, they are not your friend. 
He said, this is the spirit of the Antichrist. He's going to oppose all that is called God. If it's called God, if it's part of the kingdom of God, they will oppose it. That should be a neon sign. Woo, 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 woo. That's a neon sign with a little ooh. <laughs> Sometimes these things just come to me. And the next thing he's going to do, he's not going to oppose all that's called God, but he's going to exalt himself, exalt himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God, not God, but he's going to sit as God in the temple of God. Now, that we're going to talk about that. That's going to happen in Jerusalem. He's going to sit as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That sounds like somebody that's a little full of themselves. He's going to exalt himself. He's going to sit as God, and he's going to show himself that he's God. He's going to set up and say, I am God. Everyone worship me. Here's something we need to know about the devil. The devil loves himself some devil. <laughs> he will always overplay his hand because he will always want it to point back to himself. He will expose himself because he can't help himself because he wants himself to be worshiped. So we just got to be ready for that. Okay, so he's going to pretend, he's going to put, try to set himself in a place that does not belong to him. Verse 5, do you, not re do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? Paul's like, you know, I already talked about these things, fellas, ladies. And now you know what is restraining. Okay, careful. Something is restraining. Something's preventing. Something's hindering. Something's holding back. That he may be revealed, the Antichrist, may be revealed in his own time. So now, he's not revealed because he's going to be restrained. He's going to be held back. He's going to be hindered. Verse 7, for the mystery of lawlessness, anti-law, against law, against... The mystery of lawlessness is a violation of the standing law. It's like, I don't care what the law is. I want to do what I want. That's lawlessness. And notice what he says. The mystery of lawlessness is already at work. In other words, it's already happening. It's already happening covertly. This Bible was written 2,000 years ago. But how many knows it's pretty relevant right now in 2020? So he said, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Mystery means it's hidden. It's not revealed to everybody yet. The mystery of lawlessness is already happening. But here's what's going to happen. He says it's going to come to a place that it's going to go from being covert to overt. He says it's going to happen in the end times where people used to do things more secretly, be opposing of God and everything that stands for God. They did it kind of quietly. But it's going to come to a place they're going to be more brazen and bold and do, go from covert opposition to God to overt opposition to God. Get more bold about their opposition to God. Wow. Yeah, do away with the things of God. Get rid of the Bible. Get rid of that Christian. You guys are old. That's old, ridiculous, closed-minded, ignorant thinking. More bold and more brazen. It's what's going to happen. It's what he's telling us right here. So now, mystery of lawlessness, it's already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Now, I'm going to teach you a little bit. Here's, in this part of the Bible, it says he with a capital H. 
But that capital, that he is just a pronoun in the Greek language. It's not necessarily always translated as he. But here's what's been taught for some. And again, you can believe what you want. I'm going to give you both perspectives. And then you can decide what you want to believe. Some teach that this scripture is talking about that the Holy Spirit and the church has to be taken out of the way or raptured before the lawless one, lawless one will be revealed. But notice what it says. It said in verse 6 that something was restraining, and then verse 7, he who restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. That taken out of the way literally just means to move out of the way, to go out of the way, to get out of the way. It doesn't necessarily speak of removal like departure out. It just means of getting something out of the way. So something's restraining, something's holding, and that's going to be moved out of the way, and now it's going to be revealed. My interpretation of that is not that the rapture will take place before the man of sin is revealed, but that God who's restraining and concealing his identity, that which's holding back, God will move it out of the way because his time, it says he will be revealed in his own time. When his time comes, God will say, okay, I'm moving the restraint back, and now we're going to be able to see what God wants us to see. My personal interpretation. Someone may say, hey, no, I believe that's the church, that we got to be taken out, and until the church is out of the way, then the Antichrist can't be revealed. I want to show you where I disagree with that and where I don't think that works. It looks like I'm not going to get into it today because I didn't in the first service, and I really plan to. But next week, I'll talk about that in more detail. So either way you look at it, someone's, someone's restraining until he's taken out of way, and then what happens? And then the lawless one will be revealed. All right. So let's at least look at what the scripture is saying that we, that's undisputable. At some point, the lawless one is revealed. Who's the lawless one? The Antichrist. The head honcho of the anti-God club. He's the king of the anti-God crew. So here's what he shows up. He's Mac Daddy, big dog. Everything opposed God exalts himself as God. He's running the show of the people who want to oppose God. That's who he is. Here's the question. Whose team are you on? If you want to be on his team, then we don't worry about the things of God and we say we want to do what we want to do. But look what happens to him. This big, tough, incredible, powerful antichrist. The lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Antichrist is going to come up and take a place of authority and say, worship me as God. And then Jesus is going to show up. And when Jesus shows up, he's going to consume him with the breath of his mouth. Now, that's not saying that Jesus has halitosis. That's not what he's talking about. He's not, he's not talking like, like Jesus had some bad garlic or something. It just breathes on him. Here's what that means. He's going to consume him with the breath of his mouth. This is important. Breath of his mouth. Breath is air. When I'm talking right now, air is going over my vocal cords. So my mouth, out of my mouth are coming words because of air. Breath of his mouth. So it means that Jesus is going to consume him with the word. Words that come out of his mouth. You're like, yeah, but what about Breath of his mouth, are you sure? How's he going to consume him? Revelation chapter 19, uh, all of it's good. I'm just going to start in verse 15. Now, out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. Hebrews tells us that the word of God is living power and sharper than any two-edged sword. 
that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself, Jesus, will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath, wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is Jesus coming back. It's a picture of him. And he's coming back on a white horse. And he comes up with the king of kings and lord of lords written on his thigh. And he's coming down and he's got a sword, which is the word of God coming out of mouth. And with his word, what he speaks will strike all opposition. Why? Because the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Why do I need to know the Bible? Because in the end, this is all that will matter. Well, I don't like what it says. It doesn't matter if I like what it says. It endures forever. So when Jesus comes back, he's not going to come back in anger and say, who's opposed me? He's going to come back and speak his word. And that word will judge them. That's another place in the Bible that talks about that, but I don't have time to go there. All right, look at verse 19. And I saw the beast, the big bad, big bad beast. The kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. This is coming, man. People, this is going to happen. Then the beast was captured. And with him, the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast. Deceived him. And those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. Who team you want to be on? And the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. Notice what happened. He said he will consume the Antichrist with the breath of his mouth and destroy him with the brightness of his coming. When Jesus comes back, he's going to split the eastern sky. And it says whenever he comes back, the brightness of his coming is going to dispel all darkness. Yes. I'm telling you what, Jesus is coming back not to take a vote. He's not coming back to ask what you think, he's not coming back to ask me what I think. He's coming back as the boss. King of all kings. Lord of all lords. He's not coming back and saying, who likes me, who doesn't? He's, no. he's coming back saying, I am he. I am. Here I am. Yeah, I'm the one who created all this. I'm the one who made all this. Yeah, it's real. All that stuff you learned in Sunday school and you heard in church, bam, here I am. It's real. And then all those who thought it was just make-believe and thought it was just a fairy tale and thought it was just hyperbole and spiritual crutches that people needed to get through life, they're going to know that there really is a Jesus in heaven. <laughs> I can't wait. I want to be on his team. When he shows up, I've always been competitive. I want to win at everything I do. And part of, the, part of my excitement about being on Jesus' team is because I want to be on the team that wins. I don't want to be on the team of people who get burnt in the lake of fire. Bunch of losers. I mean this with all sincerity. The devil is a loser. He's a loser. I'm not speaking that to be arrogant or prideful, he will lose. And everyone who follows him will lose. I don't want to lose. I don't want you to lose. So I'm trying to put this message out to you to let no one deceive you. Don't let anybody deceive you. Don't let anybody deceive you that it's okay to just do whatever you want. It's not okay. There's one winning team and that's Team Jesus. Well, I just think I should be able to, no, there's Team Jesus. 
And I'm telling you, Team Jesus is the best team. He will help you. He's the best one. He loves you. There's no one that will do you like Jesus. Look, let me read on. Let me quit. Let me read on and quit. That was an oxymoron. But I'm going to quit by reading on. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. The Antichrist is going to come. Here's how he's going to come on the earth. Listen, I'm saying these things and I recognize one thing about this series. We have many people that's not coming because maybe they don't like some of the things I'm saying. I started this and some people were like, Chad, you've, you've missed it. You've gone off the deep end and I don't like you talking about that stuff. Um, so they're not, they're not coming. Some aren't coming because you maybe don't feel safe and that's fine. We're not, we're not talking about that. Some are coming that weren't coming. But the bottom line is this, I don't wanna to answer to who's coming or not coming. I'm gonna to answer to Jesus. I'm gonna to answer to him. I'm not, I'm not gonna be able to go to Jesus and say, yeah, I know I didn't really preach what you wanted, but man, look at the crowd. It's not gonna happen. Lord, I, I wanted to tell some things like they were, but I was afraid you know, people weren't gonna like me and people, I'm gonna to answer to him. So I don't take it lightly. I don't take it lightly what I'm saying. I want people to be prepared because the working of Satan, people think that the acts and the principles of the Satan or Antichrist are going to be obvious. They are going to be so subtle that even the elect will be deceived. He's, look what he's going to do. He's going to come with power, signs, and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive, what's, what's this? They didn't receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. The truth's available. We got to receive it. I didn't like the truth. Truth's available. Just got to receive it. That's the only way we get saved. We got to receive a free gift. It's nothing Chad earned. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion or explanation is for that. Because of their choice to not receive the truth, they will experience strong delusion that they should believe the lie. And once they believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. That pleasure in unrighteousness. And we can all do this. I'm not, I'm not coming across holier than now. We can all fall into this category. It's all for us to submit to God and what he says Look what it says in verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you. Brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification, sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth to which he called you. God's calling you into salvation. You were created for salvation. That's your purpose is to be saved. He's calling you out into that, calling you into your identity, into your purpose for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast. Stand fast. That word there, stand fast, means to continue to hold your ground, maintain a position, or persevere. Stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught. Can I speak just briefly to, to some young ones, to some teenagers, to some going into college agents. I'm telling you to hold fast to the traditions that were taught to you. 
I'm telling you, if this temptation gripped me in my life and I totally walked away from what I was taught, what God had poured into my life, and I was deceived and blinded, thought I was smarter than everybody else, thought I was more enlightened than everybody else, thought mom and dad didn't know what they were talking about. But then Jesus came in my apartment and visited me and said, Chad, where have you been running? The one that came is coming back, came into my room. And it was not a Sunday school lesson, it was a presence, it was a voice. And I knew that I had to hold fast to the traditions that I'd been taught. He said, you're being deceived. In that moment, I knelt on my floor and I said, God, forgive me, I was deceived. He said, I know, but the light has come. The light has come. So for you, hold fast to traditions. Hold fast. What happens, we get out away from mom and dad Devil starts talking to you. I see you don't have to worry about that. You're on your own. Make your own, call your own shots now. You don't, you don't ever have to go to church if you don't want to. You don't. I didn't. I grew colder and colder and colder to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But I'm telling you, Paul is telling you, stand your ground. Persevere, church. This group of people was going under, they were dealing with persecutions and God is saying to the church, don't be deceived, we will face opposition. Finish. Hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or epistle. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you. In every good word, the truth and work. Notice what it says, comfort your hearts. I gotta finish with this. Comfort, 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 comfort. Don't we like comfort? Here's a problem I believe in the church. Other people, not, not you. We've gone too comfortable. We embrace comfort. And when you talk about persecutions and things that's gonna happen in the earth, they said, well, you're supposed to comfort one another. That's not very comforting to tell me about that. You've got the wrong definition of comfort. People think comfort means to tell me something good. Tell me something I want to hear. Tell me I'm not going to have adversity. Tell me I'm not going to have problems. Comfort is not to tell you won't go through anything. Comfort is to tell you the one that's going to bring you through everything. Comfort yourself that Jesus is the one that's going to bring me through. I'm comforted because I want to be on his team. I'm on his team. I'm going through some hell in my life right now. I'm going through difficulty in my life, but I'm on the right team. And his strength is in me. His hope is in me. He's establishing me. He's going to get me through this. I don't know what I'm going to face tomorrow, but I know who's going to face it with me. I'm on the right team. So when he comes back, I'm going to be, that's my captain. That's my guy. I've been living for him. I gave my life for him. Yeah, Jesus is here. Well, I don't know if that's really going to happen. I don't know. If you believe it or not, but I'm saying right now, I'm not living one day in, in disappointment on the team that I've chosen. I'm filled with peace every day. I'm filled with the joy of the Lord. I go through difficulties. I cry. I go through hardships. I got it. But Jesus is on my side. I don't want to be on the other team. The other team's going to lose and lose big. So Christians, hold your head up high. Why are you cowering to the world like you don't have the right answer? People are so afraid. Well, I don't want the world to make fun of me. I don't care if the world makes fun of me. I'm, I got the right answer. Not right like Chad's the right answer. I'm not the, Jesus is the right answer. So hold your head up high. Stand for the principles of God. Well, I'm going to get major hate on social media if I stand for that principle. I'd rather get hate on social media 
than to get rejected by the King of kings and Lord of lords. So I'm saying, whose team are you on? Who's your posse? Who are you running with? Who's your crew? When he comes back, are you going to say, that's my team? Or are you going to say, oh, no? Because there's no time there. There's no time there. It's not going to be, I see Jesus. Oh, man, my parents were right. Father, forgive me. Too late. Too late. I didn't hold on to my traditions. I let them go. Are you trying to scare people? Oh, that you could be scared into salvation. You can't be. Fear will not lead you to repentance. The goodness of the Lord leads you to repentance. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.